You know, we love to, just to take our eyes off the pasture, maybe even this year, we love to envision the future, don't we? We love to imagine a perfect world and to dream about how we can get there. In fact, I think that we are wired for this. I think it's instinctual in humans to dream about the future. Just listen to some words from some popular songs. Listen to our music. Mama Cass Elliot of the Mamas and the Papas had a hit with this song called New World Coming. Here's just a few of the lyrics. There's a new world coming, and it's just around the bend. There's a brand new morning rising clear and sweet and free. There's a new world coming, coming in peace, coming in joy, coming in love. Or what about this song? Ooh, ooh, child, by five stair steps. Ooh, ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, ooh, you know, it sounds better when you sing it than when you say it. It sounds pretty weird saying it. Ooh, ooh, child, things will get brighter. Someday we'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. Someday when the world is much brighter. And how about the Fleetwood Mac hit, Don't Stop. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be here better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. But the vision of the future to beat all visions of the future is in the Bible. And maybe it's the Bible that inspires us to think about the future and to envision it. I think it's in Micah chapter 4. The verses that we just heard our brother Jim read. And I have the text up here on the screen. I've just got one slide for you today. It's our text. But I would encourage you to open a Bible to the book of Micah. It might take you a little extra time to find it in your Bible. More time than it might take you to find Genesis or Matthew or Revelation. The minor prophet Micah, it'll be helpful for you to have your Bible open to this passage. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And we just heard Jim read these words, but I would like to read them again. And I hope that you will begin to soak in these words and the meaning behind them as we read what the prophet Micah has to say. He writes, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it, and many nations shall come, and they'll say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Let's go! That He may teach us His ways, and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and He shall decide for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts is spoken. Verse 5, for all peoples walk each in the name of its God, lowercase g, but we walk in the name of the Lord our God, capital G, forever and ever and ever. You listen to the words of the scriptures. Did you notice what this grand vision entails? Let's just hit some highlights. It talks about how the Lord will be the focal point for all people. 
And that's where we've gone astray in this world. That's our major problem in this country, is that our eyes are not fixed on the God of heaven, the Lord of hosts. He is not our focal point, but he will be, Micah says. He also talks about how many will desire to follow the ways of the Lord. We see in this vision people flocking to the mountain of the Lord, the many nations coming and and. And saying to one another, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. It also talks about this vision, how people will dwell in peace. Don't we long for that? Some amazing language here about how there will be no need for weapons. People will beat their their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. No need for weapons because there will be no war or rumors of war. Verse 4, no one shall fear their neighbor. Each shall sit under his fig tree and under his vine. No one shall make them afraid. They will live in peace. And then we see in verse 5 that the people belonging to the Lord will be eternally committed to walking in his name. The vision says we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forevermore. Wow, wow. Now if a politician came along or a public figure, some sort of leader, promised a vision like that, why, we'd call him crazy. And yet, some in our world have and do naively believe that a perfect world can be brought about by human leaders. And people think, if we just had the right person in charge, If we could just enact the right policies, we could create a perfect world. Micah chapter 4 verse 4 that we just read, where we see, they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. That was a famous verse, or or, I'm sorry, a favorite verse of a pretty famous person. I bet you've heard of him. His name, George Washington. You see Micah chapter 4 verse 4 In many of his letters and correspondences, he envisioned America as a place where each person could sit under his vine and under his fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. A place where different kinds of people could live in peace. But is that what we have in our country today? No, we fear one another. Left fears right and right fears left. We're angry at each other. There's violence. There's not a lot of peace that we see. We went down to Fairhope, Alabama on our way to vacation this past summer. It's a great place to visit. And I read a little bit about the history before we went. It was established in the late 1800s by this group of people thought that they could create a perfect town, a perfect society. So they enacted this single tax policy in hopes that they could create some sort of utopia. So they thought, if we just had the right economic policy, we can create a perfect place. Well, it's a a perfectly lovely place to visit. And some of you have been there. I'd recommend you go take a look at it. We enjoyed it. But guess what? There's still crime in Fairhope, Alabama. There's still cruelty in fair hope. There's still violence. There's still poverty. It's not a perfect place. 
No human can deliver a Micah 4 world. It's not possible. But God can. In fact, God is saying in these verses, I am the one and I am the only one who can inaugurate this kind of future. Because I am the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, he says in chapter 4, verse 4. Now, what makes this vision all the more remarkable is its timing. It is delivered by the prophet Micah from Moresheth as Judah, the southern kingdom of God's people, faces divine punishment for their sins. Micah comes along around the same time as Isaiah and says, because you can't get your act together, because you have been disobedient to God, because you have taken advantage uh, of the poor, then there's divine judgment headed your way. And you will not escape it. And during the time of Micah's ministry, the northern kingdom falls, Israel. And Micah says the same is going to happen down here too in Judah. So he says throughout, if you want to read the entire book, maybe this afternoon you want to just pick up the book of Micah and read 1 through 7. You see him repeat over and over again, terror is coming. Turmoil is coming. As it had for Israel, disaster is on its way. But then, but then, Micah doesn't stop there. He says, this is coming in the short term, but let me tell you about the long term. Disaster first, then deliverance, then salvation, then a glorious future. So Micah delivers a hopeful vision in the midst of turmoil and destruction. And when we humans experience difficulty. And we've just harped on this over and over again. And I feel like a broken record up here talking about all that we've dealt with in the past year. But I think to myself if it's on my mind. Then it's probably on yours. But I won't rehash it now. It's mentioned by Jerry in the prayer. Some of what we've had to deal with. When we experience difficulty. We are often unable. To envision a brighter future. And yet those are the times. When we need a hopeful vision the most. In the 1930s, Walt Disney wanted to do something that had never, ever been done before. He wanted to create a feature length animated movie. Now, these are a dime a dozen today, but in the 1930s, nobody had ever done it. Well, this would turn out to be no easy task for Disney and his production studio, not by a long shot. The animation process, it was time consuming and painstaking. Buildings had to be rented to house all the workers. They repeatedly pushed deadlines and it cost a whole lot of money. And they went way over budget, which gave Walt's brother Roy Disney a lot of heartburn as he was the bookkeeper for the entire operation. The Bank of America bankers were at the studio all the time asking about when the loans would be paid. People in the company began to lose heart in the whole project. And they began in the media... To call Snow White Disney's folly, foolishness. But Walt was undeterred. And Disney employees at that time recall that in the hallways of the studio, he'd corner people. He would pull people by their sleeves aside and he would share with them the story of Snow White. The story that they'd cooked up there in the studio to remind them what they were working on to keep them energized and excited. He told the story to his people over and over and over again. 
And in the midst of great difficulty and doubt, Walt Disney, he continued to cast his vision for this movie. Because that's what people need when they're dealing with difficulty. They, they need a hopeful vision of the future. And, and you know the rest of the story. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves went on to be an enormous success. And it made more money than any movie had made before it. And Roy Disney, by the way, was able to pay off the studio's $2.3 million debt to Bank of America while the film was in its first run. Disney, in the midst of a difficult season, kept casting the vision for this movie. And when we're in times of trial and turmoil, that is when we need to be reminded of our future, our glorious future the most. When the deck is stacked against us, when disaster looms, that's when we need to, that's when we need for God to remind us of our future. Micah offers us some clues about when this glorious vision that he shares in chapter 4 will come to pass. I want you to listen to what he says in chapter 4, verse 2. I don't have this up on the screen. He says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. O Bethlehem. Does that place sound familiar to you? It's the town of David, where King David grew up. But it is the town in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born, a descendant of David. Micah wrote these words 700 plus years before Jesus came into the world. And yet he can see with the help of God, God speaking through him, O Bethlehem, this little insignificant place, from you shall come forth for me the ruler in Israel. A little bit later, verse 4, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. The good shepherd's coming. Verse 5, and he shall be their peace. The prince of peace is coming. And it is through him that this vision will be enacted. So we learn that this is a vision. What Micah has to share of what the world would look like if everybody acknowledged Christ as Lord. Which is what we desire. And it's also a vision of what the new heaven and earth in the time to come will look like after Jesus' glorious return. But as we wait on that, as we wait for Jesus to come back, as we wait for the skies to, to split and the trumpet to sound and our Lord to, dis, to descend, as we wait on that, our job, we've got a job to do, is to live as if the fullness of this vision has already come to pass. And you know, in a sense, for the Christian, it has. I read verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where Paul says, when we are raised up, with Christ from, those, uh, from that watery grave of baptism, we are raised up to be seated in the heavenly places, in the here and now, in the present. So we've been raised up to a new plane of existence. and We live as if the future has already arrived. Even though only God can bring about this glorious future that we read about in Micah chapter 4 and elsewhere, we can provide a glimpse to the world by the way that we live. 
in the here and now. By not getting caught up in, in the fear of the world, in the anxiety of the world, in the anger of the world. We can show forth this glorious vision by living in love and by living in joy and by living in peace and by living in hope. Because if you look around, people are down and out over the way things are. They are. And Christians just should not be down and out. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned. I'm not saying we shouldn't care. I'm just saying that the peace of Christ should dwell in our hearts at all times. I'm just saying that the joy of our Lord should exude from us every day. The world that is down and out, they need us to show them the way things can be. To give them a glimpse of the way things will be. The second most famous speech that Martin Luther King Jr. ever gave was on the eve of his assassination in Memphis in 1968. And it's been called the I See the Promised Land speech. And in it, he imagined God asking him the question, Martin, if I allowed you to live in any time period of history that you would like, what period would you choose? And in the speech, it's a dialogue. He answers, I would want to live in this present time. But why this time? The world's all messed up. The nation is sick. And King's response was, only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. Now, I really believe that we need more Christians who say, I would rather be alive right now than at any time in human history. This is the best time for God's people to be alive. And I'm here for a reason. And God wants to, to use me right where I am in the era in which I live to shine the light of Jesus' love to the people around me. I, don't want, I wouldn't want to be alive in any other era of human history than right now. And our job right now is to point beyond the present darkness so that people can see the light. They can see the mighty work that God is doing and will do that all sound like too big a task? Does it sound unattainable? Well, let's boil it down a bit. Because catching God's vision for this world that Micah gives us a preview of in chapter 4, I think it begins with catching his vision for his church. Well, let's zoom in even more. For this church, for this family of God's people, for this congregation, yes, we face difficult challenges. But by God's power, our church family here in little old Winchester, Tennessee, can grow healthier and stronger. By God's power, we can be who God wants us to be. So I want to ask you with me to imagine a Micah 4 church. A church with God at the center. A church where we do not allow petty skirmishes and fights about tangential issues keep us from staying united in our focus on God. A church where more and more people desire to follow His will as the masses and the throngs wanted to head to Jerusalem to the mountain of the Lord. We desire a place here where people are interested in how we're living and what we're teaching and preaching. They long to know the God that we know. 
the God with whom we have a relationship through Jesus Christ, because they can see a difference in us and in the way that we live and in the way that we conduct ourselves. We have hope in a hopeless world. We have joy in a joyless world. We have confidence in an anxious world. A church where there is peace and harmony among brothers and sisters. Because what a divided world needs is a united church. A church where we're together in love. A church where we love our neighbors instead of fear them. You know, as Christians, we don't have time to fear our neighbors. And we certainly don't have time to hate our neighbors. You know why? Because we're too busy, or we ought to be too busy loving our neighbors, as Jesus taught us. A church where members' hearts are set on eternity. As Micah said, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. So I don't care what life throws at me in the here and now, because I know my future is secure. And I will walk hand in hand with my God forever and ever. Have you caught the vision for what this congregation can be? What this church family can be in our community? Can you see it? And are you helping God bring it about? One of my professors in graduate school talks about how in 1962, his parents bought a piece of property in northern Colorado. And over the next 25 years, they tore down and they built and planted and irrigated and transformed that piece of land into a beautiful little farm. And his dad, who had been totally blind all of his adult life, he had a vision of what that piece of property could become. And my teacher recalls many evenings around the supper table listening to his dad talk about the next phase of building. What are we going to do next in building up this farm that he had already created in his mind? And that vision of what the farm could become sustained the family through the tolls and difficulties until it became a reality. Though his dad could never see the farm that he and his wife built, he had a better picture of it than anyone else. He had vision. He had vision. Do you? My challenge to you today and to myself is to commit to demonstrate God's grand vision for this world in the way that you live. Show people by the way you talk and the way that you comport yourself that you've got a glorious future waiting on you. Future that cannot be stripped away no matter what befalls you in this life. Show forth a Christ-centered world. Send forth light into the midst of darkness and we can start we can start right here in this place among these people our family we can start by helping to fulfill God's vision for the church for this church Robert J Morgan tells uh, of an occasion during vacation bible school when one day a little boy named Josh visited the 4 and 5 year old class Josh was handicapped he had but one arm. And since he had only come that day, the teacher didn't have the opportunity to learn the details of his situation. So all through the class, she was afraid that one of those other children might say something insensitive to Josh. So she proceeded cautiously with the lesson. 
Well, as the class time came to a close, she asked the children to join in their usual closing exercise. She said, let's make our churches. Clasping her hands together to form the church. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. And suddenly she was met with the awful truth, the very thing she had feared the children would do, she had done. She had made this boy uncomfortable. Well, as she stood there speechless, the little girl sitting next to Josh reached over with her left hand and placed it up to his right hand and said, Josh, let's make the church together. Let's make the church together. Let's make the church together. Let's together make it what it can be. By God's grace and with His help, of course, let's make it a preview of our glorious future that awaits because of Jesus Christ. I love the final words of Micah. The last three verses of the book of Micah, chapter 7, 18 through 20. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of His inheritance? He did not retain His anger forever because He delights in steadfast love. He will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you've sworn to our fathers from the days of old. God has shown faithfulness to us and steadfast love and compassion. And He has tread our sins underfoot through the offspring of Jacob. The offspring of Abraham. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And today you can come and make Him the Lord of your life and receive the hope of a glorious future. You can come whether you're in this room or in one of the rooms down the hall or if you'd like to reach out to us personally, I have up here on the screen once again, our church office number. Our office is open from 8 to 3 every weekday. Reach out to us. Let us know how you're doing, how we can pray for you. Or you can send me a personal email and let me know how I can help you. If you want to become a Christian today, don't wait a minute longer. Come. And repent of your sins and confess His beautiful name and go down into that water and come back up a new creature. If you're struggling in any way, if you need prayers... You've been praying, but you want your family, you want people who care about you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to come alongside you and pray for you and with you. We invite you to come right now. If there's any need, a spiritual need in the house, please come as we stand and sing.